Welcome to the Conscious Craft Podcast. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Hannah. And we are two health coaches on a mission to create a happier world, one thought, one breath, and one bite at a time. We are kicking stress to the curb, and we're not going to take life so seriously. No, and we'd love for you to join, because we're all about community, and we want you to be a part of ours. So head over to the show notes and follow us on social media. We'd love to connect. episode with Dr. Melanie Bone from Florida, who is implementing cannabis into her practice. She is honestly such an exciting woman to talk to. I was so pumped about this episode because I think so many people have so many questions about cannabis, about how to use it medically. And right now there's not much information out there that's available to the average person. They go into a dispensary for places that it's legal and they have you know, an 18-year-old bud tender telling them how to treat their migraines. Yeah, yeah. Not exactly the best system. Not exactly. So, it was really great talking to an actual medical doctor who is implementing this plant into her practice. She gave some awesome tips on how to dose different diseases and illnesses that cannabis could be used for and the best way to approach this plant medicine in a safe way. Exactly. And one of the one of the key takeaways that I heard from her, which I loved, was that this is one of the only medicines that the patient actually tells the doctor the dose that they need. Because We are all so highly individual. Our bodies are all so different. We metabolize things differently. So it's a huge experimental game to figure out what is the best dosage, what's the best vehicle to take the dose, and how do I get to that point to heal myself. Right, and I think that this goes back to the same point that we always say, you are your best own doctor. Yes, you are. And really when you're tapped into your own body and you know what works and what doesn't work for you then you're best able to work with your doctor and tell them hey i tried eating that thing and i didn't feel so good after it yep so true so one of her key phrases that she always says when it comes to any use of medical cannabis is to Start low, go slow, and don't be afraid to say no. Mm, yeah, love it. I like the little flow that that's got going I on I like there. it too. Alright, so we're going to jump into this episode pretty soon, but first, let's catch up a little bit. Yes, we miss you guys. We miss you, and we know this time of year is extremely busy with the holidays. There's family flying in from town. You might be some of that family that's doing the fly-in. There's lots of food to be had, gifts to be bought, arguments to avoid. Yes. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Ooh, did I hit a button? Yeah, hit a button. (laughs) (laughs) The holidays can be stressful. (laughs) Was that a question mark or a statement? (laughs) I'm still trying to figure it out. It's interesting because this is the time of year that's supposed to be filled with holiday cheer and there are so many things that bring us love and excitement around this time of year, which should be quite happy. However, it's this interesting dichotomy because then there's also this whole other aspect of this time of year that 
causes so much stress, whether it's trying to get all of your work done before you leave town, get the gifts and finding the right, perfect, most thoughtful, sentimental gift, or like you said, avoiding conflict with family members, with friends you might be seeing around the holidays, or even for some people too, it could be avoiding being lonely during the holidays when a lot of other people that you know are with family or friends. So it's this interesting time of year where there's these like really happy highs and then these also really stressful lows. Yeah, it is a really interesting time. So managing this holiday season can be tough. It can be tough for people. So you want to really make sure that you have some of these rituals or practices in place so that even when you are spending time with family, you're on the road, or you're feeling really down for various reasons, make sure that you have some good healing practices in place to fall back on. So Han, what are some of these healing practices that you speak of? Ah, I got a couple of healing practices in my back pocket. You got them up your sleeve? I got a couple of practices up my sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know, for me, no shocker here, I'm gonna say meditation. Shocker! Can you believe it? I can believe it. All right. (laughs) Meditation. I think if you can even get one minute of meditation in a day, you're going to be doing yourself right. Honestly, it's so true. I have been super out of my meditation practice the past two weeks, and I'm feeling it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was telling you this morning, too. I have been a little bit out of my practice just from over the weekend, and I was feeling it, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to it, sister. Get back to it. And along with that, you gotta friggin' breathe. Yes, breath work is huge, especially during the holiday season. If you feel like you just can't get away from the kids or whatever, even in the moment when you're with your family, if you can take a few deep breaths and they're freaking you out, mm-hmm. use that time for a little bit of breath work practice. It's so true. You could actually make it like a drinking game. You know how? Oh. You know how they do drinking games and it's like they watch a TV show or something and anytime a certain word comes up, then you have to take a shot of your drink. Ooh. Do it like, do it with breath work. Anytime annoying Aunt Sue <laughs> complains about her sciatica, <laughs> take a deep breath. God damn it, Sue. Are you going to see your chiropractor or what? what? Come on, Sue. <laughs> But you can have fun with it. It doesn't have to be something that's so rigid, like, oh, I have to make sure I do my breath work in the morning. Play around with it. Do whatever works for you. Exactly. And then, you know, another big stress of the holidays is food. Exactly. Food can be tough. It can be a trigger for people. Or we can just drown our stresses in the bowl of, I was going to say popcorn, but no one's eating popcorn during the holidays. Hey, maybe it's a new tradition. Chocolate-covered popcorn. Ooh, there. There you go. We're definitely eating that. Some caramel corn. Yeah. yeah. Caramel. Caramel. You're eating it. You're eating it. Don't lie. You're eating it. So, to avoid the trigger of that stress eating, make sure you are chewing your food completely. Mm -hmm. Down to a liquid. Yeah, it's gross, Mm -hmm. but you're going to do it. Get all saliva-y up in there. That is disgusting. Well, so is chewing your food to a liquid. <laughs> that's what we gotta do. <laughs> it's true. Um, and also, I know that there are so many temptations when it comes to big family meals. So don't think about, oh, you have to deprive yourself of 
the candy yams, you don't mm. have to deprive yourself, but maybe instead of taking half your plate full of candy yams, maybe you just have a half of a piece of a candy yam and then load up on some veggies. So it's just making some smarter choices, not necessarily eliminating all of it because it's the holidays. You got to enjoy that 80-20 life, baby. Mm-hmm. But just make smart choices. Make smart choices. Drink a boatload of water before those big meals. Drink a full glass of water. Drink uh, Before those huge meals, drink a huge glass of water. Be really present during the meal. Don't be scarfing. Chew that food. Take a few deep breaths in between each bite. And you're going to be fine. You're not going to throw the turkey at Sue. Exactly. Even though you'll want to throw the turkey at Sue because, you know, the friggin' sciatica. Sciatica. (laughs) Sciatica's a bitch. (laughs) And another thing, too, is to move. That's one of the things that we get so stuck in with the holidays is you eat this big giant meal and then you sit around for hours, you know? Maybe you suggest, let's all bundle up, put our scarves and hats on, and take a little walk after dinner. That could be a very fun activity, and it could relieve some of the stress. You all could be walking with different people, so you don't have to be staring at Aunt Sue across the table the whole time. She could be ten steps ahead of you. She can't walk. She was saying, oh, well, you're right, you're right. So get away from Sue by going on the walk. Yeah, there you go, there you go. That's another thing. Avoid the family members if you can by separating yourself. Have some alone time. That's totally okay to have alone time. It doesn't mean that, you know, you don't go to these family events. You can still go, but give yourself a 15-minute break. Hey, boundaries are good. Boundaries are really good. Yes, they are. Alrighty, our last tool that can help you get through this holiday season is none other than a little bit of cannabidiol oil. Absolutely. She's talking about the sweet, savory, smooth, delicious flow of that CBD hitting Mm. those receptors under your tongue and going straight into your bloodstream. Oh man, I love it. CBD is really great around this time of year because, as we've talked about, it can be stressful. Your cortisol levels are high. You're feeling all anxious because Aunt Sue, she's going to bring out that damn sciatica again. She needs CBD. She needs CBD. So by taking CBD, it'll actually help to calm inflammation in your body. It'll help to lower those cortisol levels so that you won't be feeling the high effects of stress throughout this entire season. Exactly. It gets you out of that sympathetic nervous system state right into your parasympathetic nervous system state, which is your chill mode. And we're just trying to chill this holiday season. We definitely want to chill this holiday season. And we don't want to feel that we don't want to, and we don't want to feel that intense stress of the time that's supposed to be cheerful exactly so we're chilling out we're cheering up and we're talking to melanie bone absolutely dr melanie bone was so insightful and i'm just ready to just dive in and hear everything she had to say let's do it if you are cannabis curious keep on listening she's going to answer all your questions Be sure to leave us a review if you liked this episode or got something out of it. 
And check us out on social media. Say what's up. We're always talking to people in the DMs. So come say hi at Calm by Wellness Co. or at The Conscious Craft. We're active on both of those. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. We just wanted to take a minute to give a shout out to our show sponsor, which is us. Yep, we're sponsored by our own blood, sweat, and tears. (laughs) We are talking about our CBD company that we just started called Calm by Wellness Co. Yes, so CBD happens to just be another tool in the toolbox to help you reduce stress. So it's only natural that we're starting a CBD company, right? Right. And speaking of natural, we make sure that we use all of the finest, most natural ingredients so that what you're putting into your body is as clean as can be to be as stress-free. Ooh, I love it. So use code CONSCIOUSLYCALM at checkout and take 10% off your order. Reduce stress, sleep better, feel better, support your sisters out. So give the gift of health this holiday season. Maybe you want to put a little CBD in as a stocking stuffer. Stocking stuffer. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's one of your gifts for your eight days of Hanukkah. Don't forget about Kwanzaa. Whatever holiday it is that you are celebrating out there, be sure to check us out at calmbywellness.co. And follow us on social media at calmbywellness.co. Happy holidays, y'all. We are super grateful to have Dr. Melanie Bone joining us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Bone, for joining us. We cannot wait to just dive in deeper with you. You are doing such amazing work in the field of cannabis, helping to educate people about all of the ways that cannabis can heal different ailments. And so what what do you find are some of the ways that you go about teaching people and educating people that really don't know anything about cannabis? I usually start my consultations with just the very basics. I call it Cannabis 101. I have a little handout that they can take home, you know, explaining it's a plant, the different elements that go into making up the plant. And I usually end after one hour of just trying to gently get them to understand the concept of cannabinoids, psychoactive, non-psychoactive. I mentioned terpenes, but they never come into the conversation the first time. It's too much for people. And then I recommend they go to various and sundry websites or buy books, whichever they like. You know, there's enough stuff out there that they can go and hang out on Leafly and read 500 articles about marijuana or they could explore their local library or go online and buy a book. And then they come back over and over again. I do a lot of hands-on work with education one-on-one. I think it works the best. I think education is a missing a key right now. It's so important, especially to help break down that stigma because there's still such a stigma on this plant. So th- thank you for everything that you're doing. <laughs> And I think along, you see the problem that I see it because I'm older and I'm in a different place in my life. There's stigma from a a certain group of people. And then there's also the fact that 
I guess we could call them cannabis warriors or super enthusiasts feel like they need to push it down the throat of those that are more skeptical to prove how great a thing is. It's totally safe to use and you know, we shouldn't limit people in the amount they can use it. I think that's going to work against us. I think we need to be more circumspect about how we use cannabis and if we want to use it in the medical space, we darn well better make it quite medical. The recreational is completely, or adult legal use is completely different. Mm -hmm. But as a medical marijuana provider, I'm up against that a lot. You know, I seem to get very different patients. Those who never want to try, they're petrified. And those who have been using for years, and they kind of want to use you as their legal dealer. And you have to sit there and educate them that that's really not what I'm looking for. It's hard. It's hard to say no to somebody who walks in your office demanding marijuana, but you must be willing to say no or what will happen is we're just going to change. I live in a state where we were called pill mills. Florida has a lot of pill mills. We'll be, we're starting a little bit down the line toward pot mills. You know, you can't have your oxys go and just get a lot of pot and get stoned all the time, which I, I don't like that either. Right. It's kind of a difficult line to tread to be in the middle, you know? That makes sense, yeah, because you really do have to do a lot of education on that point on both sides, you know, for those people who do just want to go out and get a lot of marijuana from you versus actually wanting to heal themselves and treat themselves through this plant. Right, and, and my theory is there's enough places to get marijuana it's funny, they want high quality, high potency, and they want to know what they're getting. And the whole thing is on the street, they don't know what they're getting. And so that's why they want to enter into the system, because they want to have control. Do they get a sativa, an indica? What do they get? They want to know, and they want to know it's not cut with something. Right, right. Wow. So interesting. Really interesting. So just out of curiosity, how does your prescription method work? Do you have, or, go ahead. Right, well, every state, you know, is different. In Florida, oh, we're reminded a thousand times, you don't write a prescription, you write a recommendation or an order. Because remember, cannabis is schedule one, you're not allowed to write a prescription for a schedule one. So what we do is the patient comes in, I assess them for their problem, we pre-screen everybody. I mean, I'd rather not have people waste their time and money coming in for me to tell them, no, you don't qualify. Yeah. So we can pretty much tell on the phone who's kind of yanking our chain and who's for real. And we try to keep people out that don't have any of the diagnoses that qualify in the state of Florida. But when a patient comes in, I assess them. And then there's usually three categories of patients. Ones who are newbies, they've never used any cannabis products whatsoever. Some places call them doobie ones. Then there's twos or doobie twos. And those are people who have tried marijuana. A lot of them come in saying, I tried, I got super paranoid, I hate it, I'm scared of this. And then there's doobie threes where people are using all the time, okay? So what you do to help these people varies dramatically based on their personal experience. So we educate and then we try to figure out, I tell people that, 
helping them with what they need is all about discovering the ratio of cannabinoids that works for them. So I say it's kind of like your sleep number when you buy a sleep number bed. What's your sleep number? Well, what's your ratio? Are you somebody who needs a five to one because you have a lot of anxiety, you don't need very much THC, but you need a little bit. Or are you somebody who has a movement disorder who just needs very high dose CBD? Or are you someone with end stage cancer where we really need to jack up the THC for all sorts of reasons. And then once I figure out where I think they fall on the spectrum for ratios, I usually move slightly lower than what I think they need just to start. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. People have never had marijuana before. Even a, a standard one-to-one preparation can get them stoned if they don't watch it. They don't want to get stoned. So we have to kind of work with it. Then number two, People who, um, if we give them too much THC too fast and they get paranoid or anxious, they won't go back. I mean, they just won't go back. So you have to go lower than what you want and work your way up. Eventually, it gets to the point when a patient's understanding the system that we can just tell them, okay, how many milligrams of CBD to use a day? How many milligrams of THC? And we put in the in the, I joke, the computer in the sky, the registry, the number of milligrams that we think you will need in a month. And then we have to put in what delivery systems you can have, oral, inhalation, topical, et cetera. And then they are sent to the dispensary of their choice. Now we do kind of guide people. There are certain dispensaries that are much better for people who are long-term users. They have more variety, more options. And there are certain places that are better for people who have never had marijuana before. Less variety, easier to navigate the system. And and then they try and then they come back for a follow-up visit and we start honing down what we need. So it's highly individual. And you're really- Highly individual. I I know that if you look at the literature, they say, Okay, so for you know PTSD, you're going to do well in the five to one range. But I can tell you, I have some PTSDers that THC doesn't work for, and I have other PTSDers who need higher THC marijuana. You just have to believe the patient. Yeah, yeah. So as the patient, you want to really experiment and track what's working for you. Correct. I said it's the only medicine where you tell me your dose, not me telling you. And that makes some people very anxious because what, you're the expert, you need to know, but I can't tell by looking at you whether on three milligrams of THC you're going to get stoned or whether you need 30 before you feel it, right? Yeah, that completely makes sense. It's really interesting. So do you, you recommend different delivery methods depending on the person as well, or is it more so depending on the symptom? Ah, interesting. Both. So for example, if a patient has um, had a cancer treatment and has severe neck pain based on radiation or chemo or whatever, I say to them, well, look, you definitely have pain here in your neck and you can put a cream or a salve, either plain CBD or with THC directly on the site. But you may have chronic low-grade inflammation in your body impacting that pain. So I think we should try you on some CBD to your whole body to decrease inflammation. So 
I kind of insist that almost all my patients take CBD. It's very rare that I don't do that. I get a lot of pushback from some people about it because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. But I tell them that if you look at any of the literature, it, it's a plant. You need the entourage effect. You can't just say, I just want a high THC. Because high THC means you just want the stone. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I kind of demand that they take some. But I know whether they got it or not because I can see in the registry what they bought and what they didn't. Interesting. Yeah, so when they come back, we sometimes have to come down on them a little bit saying, you know, you're not getting all the advantages. Why would you not take advantage of something? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is it usually, do you find that it's usually because of uh, money that they don't take advantage of something? Some of it is money for sure. And then some are people who, say, I need stronger marijuana, I need stronger marijuana, and they keep asking for more THC. Mm -hmm. So I've got to remember when I describe marijuana, what I say to them is, you know, um, if the middle is one to one half CBD to half THC, then stronger might be going in this direction or stronger might be going in this direction. I just don't know which way you need to go stronger. I find that resonates better and then people don't say, oh yeah, well that stuff's not gonna work because of the CBD part. Right, right. So if someone has an ailment of whatever, either pain or some kind of inflammatory issue, do you suggest, how do you suggest them finding a doctor like yourself so that they can get a recommended prescription versus just going into a dispensary and trusting the 25 the bud tenders yeah <laughs> to yeah. tell them what to um so remember <laughs> so in florida we don't have legal recreationalists the only way they can get a thc um recommendation is through a certified medical marijuana provider there's a list of them um uh, in the medical marijuana registry of the state so you can go and look by zip code or whatever and you know you can ask around and i send information to local doctors to say look i've been doing this for a long time now i think i get it and because now a lot of doctors are jumping into it but i i gotta tell you it's a learning curve to learn how to make people feel better and it's subtle and it's difficult and it's not like oh here you know let me take your couple hundred bucks and give you a card bye right i mean there are doctors who do that for sure but i don't Think that's a good way to go so they can go on the registry to find a doctor they can ask friends they can ask their other doctor and they can google online and that i haven't had trouble attracting patients to date but then again i don't want to have a huge patient population not at this point in time that's right. not my goal right my goal is small sort of concierge care really? i find that better for me yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So for for people that are listening that aren't familiar with the differences between THC and CBD, can you just give a brief um, overview of what the how THC heals the body versus how, or help could help the body versus how CBD yeah. helps the body? Oh, absolutely. So obviously, marijuana is a plant. It has multiple constituents. We have the cannabinoids, 
which are have the psychoactive cannabinoid, which is very famous, called THC. And I always say the H reminds you that's the one that gets you high. Mm. And then all the other cannabinoids, we colloquially we call them CBD, but they're really composed of many other miraculous CBs, CBN, CBG, CBC. But at this moment in time, we don't really have the ability to say, you know, you'd be really great with CBN because we can't order it separately. Mm -hmm. So I joke and I say, we have to throw the cannabinoid booking. And then you get all of them and we, and then there's the terpenes. And I say, terpenes are things that make um, tastes and smells. So why does pine cones smell like pine? That's pining, they get that immediately. Mm -hmm. Limonene is another one. You get to linalool, usually you've lost that. But, you can definitely do it with pinene and limonene. And I said, they impact these, all these elements impact how marijuana works in the body. So when I look at what I want to cure, I say to myself, well, THC is psychoactive. What things do we tend to need psychoactivity for? It also is good for releasing muscle spasms and some types for muscle relaxation. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you would describe this as like an indica marijuana, which is a strain. And we're, I think slowly but surely we're heading away from strains. But right now, I would say the higher THC products I use for people who have a lot of experience with marijuana, who have um, difficulty with sleeping, because it'll definitely help people go to sleep, um, and a lot of muscle spasms, terminally ill cancer patients, some glaucoma, um, some irritable bowel things. Then when I go to the other extreme, the patients who come in that have anxiety, I tell them, you want all the other great CDs because THC can cause anxiety. Mm -hmm. So if there's anxiety, I'm gonna go toward this end of the spectrum. And if they have those other ailments I described, we go this end. They need appetite. Um, like the cancer patients, they need more appetite, they're going on the THC side. But if they have anxiety, PTSD, epilepsy, I just think if there's anything that will quiet the nervous system down, mm. you need to go to the CD side of the story. That's good and, and then that's kind of how I start figuring it out. And we take it from there. That's great. That was a great description. Thank you for that. Yeah, and you know, I jokingly say that right in the middle, one to one, that's the, I joke, the Advil or Tylenol of marijuana. Because theoretically, there's enough CBD from keeping you from getting too stoned, but there's some THC in there to get the job done. It seems to be one of the go-to marijuanas because there are many reasons for it. They, they shouldn't get so stoned they're uncomfortable. They might get high, but rarely, very badly stoned. Um, they can titrate their dose up themselves. And if they don't take extra CBD on the side, I know they're getting it, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, and, and so we often will start with a one-to-one -one in a very low dose and then have the patient diary what they do, come in, we look and we see. Of course, if they come in with Parkinson's, I wouldn't do that. I would start them on the CBD side. Um, but a lot of people come in that have, persistent pain syndrome mm -hmm. and one-to-one -one, 
one to one is good for MS, all those things, the back pain, the neck pain. For serious issues like Parkinson's and MS, what dosage do you recommend of CBD? Very interesting. So if you look at Parkinson's, the dosages vary radically. So of course, we don't know how people respond to CBD. I have some people take 25 milligrams of CBD, they fall asleep in like 10 minutes, right? So you usually, I usually start everybody with um, drops, tinctures, so they can control and micro control their dose. People, if you give them control, it helps, right? Yeah. But I have some people that are using, you know, 100 to 200 milligrams a day easily of CBD. It's just, you have to get it so concentrated at that point because it's too expensive. Yeah, that makes sense. But, and then, you know, there, there are case reports of epilepsy patients needing as high as 500 milligrams a day. I just don't think people could afford that. At that point, they'd be like, all right, I'm gonna go back on my regular seizure medicine. But my average patient um, is taking somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 50 a day of CBD. Makes sense. There are a lot of anxious people out there in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, so speaking of, of that, um, do you find that a lot of people do come to you with maybe some type of physical ailment, and then after further development, you realize that it's a lot of mental health issues too that the cannabis can actually help with? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so much is mind body that I do, especially because a lot of my patients come from my GYN practice. Yeah. So I can tell you, because I haven't been a gynecologist for 30 years, over half of women's issues are mind body. Yeah. I'll tell you a perfect example. The other day I operated on a lady for a very large ovarian cyst. I examined her on Thursday in the office. I could easily, like the size of, it was seven centimeters. It was quite oh, big. Wow. Wow. She's in terrible pain. So Monday, I meet her in the pre-op area. So it's about four or five days later. And I say, how are you doing? Oh, terrible pain, terrible pain. And I said, oh, okay, so then your shirt's still there, right? I always ask that to the patient. She says, oh yeah, oh yeah. I get in there and guess what? It had popped and drained over the weekend. So isn't that interesting? Because her pain was persistent, but her cyst was no more. Wow. So pain in particular gets imprinted, I think sometimes, and we learn certain pains in our body and our brain goes back to them as go-to places. But, um, there's pain, there's anxiety about pain, there's anxiety about using something to treat pain, right? These are the multiple layers that you're talking about. So one of the most common patients I see is somebody who's been on narcotics for a very long period of time for back problems, right? And they have almost like a PTSD over the fact that they need narcotics and all the world is telling them is, you're a drug addict, you're a drug addict, and before you know it, you're going to be on heroin because we're taking away your legal narcotics. I see it every day. And the reality is in Florida, you know, we can only write for three days of narcotics now for pain medicine. Wow. Unless we, unless we also, if we want to write longer, we could do seven days, but we also have to give them a prescription for that stuff called Narcan, which is the injectable antidote to narcotics. Oh. So just in case they took too many and stopped breathing. I mean, we give people now like 18 pain pills after major surgery. 
no more, can't have more than that, the government says no. And the reality, I mean, if you're a chronic pain management doctor, you can write some more. So the reality about this that I, I think the government and legislature fails to understand is that, you know, people don't just want to take a lot of these to get stoned in the high. And I, I agree there are definitely people who do that. But when you take someone who's been habituated to them for 20 years and you tell them, good luck with that, buddy, you're going to have to come off, or you just make them feel so badly about themselves, you have to help them use cannabis as a bridge to getting off. And again, I saw somebody yesterday, she had been on Oxycontin for 20 years. Wow. Ever since I met her. And she went and had one last back surgery, which she said worked. And she used a lot of pot to get off her opioids, and it worked. She's off them. So I'm going to tell you, there's definitely an opportunity to use cannabis to get away from narcotics. So the mind-body there is very much involved with people who are upset that they have to use pain medicine, don't want to use pain medicine, traumatized about their pain medicine. Wow. And on the flip yeah. side, probably scared to get off of the pain medicine. Oh, they can't. I mean, they, they get withdrawal if they try to stop because they're not addicted. They're habituated. and They're psychologically habituated. But very few are truly addicted to the point where it would be life-threatening for them to quit, but they might get pretty sick for a while. And, um, yeah, and the reality is I say to people, you can get cut down by 50% what you're using. I would be happy, and that's usually a pretty easily attainable goal. Yeah. And a lot of them, once they get to 50%, self-motivation gets them to one of the lower. Wow, wow, so interesting. Um, so Dr. Bone, you, you are a survivor of stage three breast cancer, correct? I am. Can you talk to us a little bit about your journey and did you use cannabis throughout your treatment process? So here's the truth. The truth is I had my cancer almost 18 and a half years ago. So a long time ago before we ever had medical cannabis. Um, you know, I was, I had, my children were four, see, they were five, four, three, and two when I was diagnosed. Wow. So little babies in the house. And um, I had to have a lot of surgery, chemo, radiation. But you know, I, I think because I had these kids, I just said, I really have to get through this no matter what. I had rough days. I mean, I probably would have used cannabis had I, had I known that I could or had it been available medicinally at that time. But I didn't, unlike most people, because I had these little kids that I was trying to pull through and because I had an intense pressure from where I lived, I became immediately kind of like a local celebrity, you know, young OBGYN with four kids, gets cancer. You know, it's yeah. just one of those stories everybody loves to write about. Right. And so there was a lot of pressure on me to get better fast. Mm. So I think I probably dealt with a lot of it through denial, which worked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now if I'd gone through it now or if I ever need to go through cancer again, I would definitely bail myself out cannabis. I have a dear friend who's world famous. Um, in cannabis care, and um, she's very open about it. 
She, her name is um, Dr. Sue Sesley. She's from Arizona, you may know her. She was the one who was in the Sanjay Gupta special league, okay, right? And she worked with the NFL to try to get them to let the players use marijuana. She's currently doing a, a big study on vets and um, cannabis for the government. Well, private sector and government. Anyway, but she was diagnosed with cancer uh, in the last year. And she had her surgery and now she's treating with cannabis. She said, I went 48 years, never touched cannabis. Wasn't somebody who was interested. And now I do it for my cancer. Wow, interesting. That's how strongly she believes that. Now that's what her belief is, that cannabis eventually it's not ready for prime time yet. There are not enough studies to prove, but there's something there about cannabis and cancer. You know, they've, it's been shown that um, cannabis can inhibit brain tumor cells in culture and some melanoma breast. So you can't ignore it. It's out there. It just hasn't been harnessed yet. Mm -hmm. So do you think as, as we progress and it's starting to get talked about more and researched more, that it is going to go up to the point where we will be able to do all of this research so that we can help even more people through use of this plant? I do believe that's right. I think Israel does a lot of studies now. They're probably foremost in the world in cannabis studies. Other countries, you know, Uruguay, Canada will improve, be included. Doing studies that'll help push us to have our government move through. You can do studies now, but if you talk to Dr. Cecily, it took her over a year to get through NIDA, which is National Institute of Drug Abuse. To, you have to have an approval from FDA and NIDA before you can ever even get your study protocol through. And then she joked, she said, and the stuff they send you, they only have one strain of marijuana because at the University of Mississippi, you can only use their marijuana. And she said, you can't believe what it looks like. It looks like little sticks and stuff. <laughs> she said, I don't know, but that was what we, that's all we have. That's what we have to do. Wow, it's incredible. Eventually, we'll be able to go out there and use good marijuana and study it and have a lot more to show for it. Yeah, and hopefully that schedule one is lifted so that these universities can actually study the benefits of it. Yep. I think it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, you talked about um, when your son Carlton was younger and he was using cannabis and you thought he was just a stoner. So what was that turning point for you when you actually realized that it was helping him with his anxiety and then had that moment for yourself where you're like, all right, maybe there is something to this plant? Uh, so... My child was so, I thought, bad off that his dad and I decided that he needed to go to a wilderness program and, and we sent him to the wilderness of Utah, which I think was still a great experience, no matter what Dr. Carlton says about it. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. and, um, and then I went out and spent a little bit of time with him in wilderness and after that, we put him into a therapeutic boarding school. So it's like being in jail for a while because you got great education, great everything, but he couldn't get it marijuana. So it's kind of like you could have this 
place that looks like a boarding school, but you can't leave the campus, right? Uh-huh. And, and that worked. But while he was there, they put him on some anxiety meds, right? Mood stabilizing meds. And he contracted this very rare disease called Stevens-Johnson syndrome, mm-hmm. which it looks like somebody takes a torch to your body, literally, like you're burned. Oof. But you're burned from the inside out. Yikes. And it's an, it's an allergic reaction. And he ended up in the intensive care unit, really very close to dying. Oh. And, um, you know, when he made it through, we had a lot of long talks because Carlton refuses to take meds now because of the fear. If you get it the second time, there's like an 80% chance you die. Wow. So he's so afraid of getting allergic like that again. It was terrible. It was terrible. So it was an allergic reaction to the medication? Well, that's what we were at Duke University in the intensive care unit, and that's what they, you know, they said. And um, he had a temperature of almost 108 for a few days. It was really bad. So he says, Mom, you have to understand. Marijuana is the medicine that helps me manage my anxiety, my mood. Now I have PTSD from having had this terrible disease, and I'm always afraid I'm going to get it again. This is how I manage it. And, you know, I've seen it help so many people now. I say, fine. My own thing is Carlton Smokes, which, you know, I'm like, dude, I'd rather you get it in your body another way. Right. But, you know, then Carlton points to all these studies that seem to indicate that even if you smoke for a long time, cannabis, it doesn't appear to have the high risk of lung cancer that smoking cigarettes does. Interesting. But what else are you putting in there with the marijuana? Do you know? Right. Right. So it was really after that experience that it was kind of a turning point for you? So I said to myself, I have to be open to this. I have to understand... Because Carlton is like almost a genius IQ. He's brilliant. And started sending me data, articles, information. And I started reading. And it it just suddenly started making sense. And then I started thinking, you know, just everybody I knew who could benefit from anti-anxiety, from not needing to go to the narcotics for pain if they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that snowballed into I have patients that could benefit from this. I love to learn. I love to evolve over time. Other people like to be great at what they do. At the end of 30, 40 years, pack up, retire, call it quits. That's not my personality. My personality is I like to constantly learn, grow, and change. Yeah, yeah. That's how I do my life. That's amazing. Okay, so what would you recommend for somebody who maybe doesn't have that same, like, learning personality, but they're interested in cannabis, but they're also scared, and maybe, you know, they don't have the motivation to do all of the research or look into it. Um, What would you recommend for someone like that who might have that interest, but also, you know, maybe just doesn't go out there and do the research? Right. So are you talking from the patient side or the provider side? A patient side. Mm-hmm. So a patient who might want to try, and we don't know what we're treating, right? 
Okay, so here's my deal. The, the, the Bible of marijuana. Start low, go slow, and don't be afraid to say no. So I like that. That's good. So, you know, I probably start them. They want to just feel how they feel on some nice CBD. And then maybe add a little THC over time. And I tell people, if you get to a one-to-one -one and you're not feeling anything, I wouldn't start going a lot higher on my THC. I just start taking more of the one-to-one. -one. Mm. Because I find that I really don't like like to go above 50% until the patient's really ready to do it. I've had like two phone calls today to people who I think went to higher THC too fast, and they both had bad experiences, you know? I was on the floor, I couldn't get off the floor, the room was spinning, I felt panicky. It's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So to start off, just starting with CBD is a good, a good place to, to start. I think so, because so many of the medicinal properties, I mean, when you say they're interested, if they're interested from the health standpoint, definitely, right? If they're interested from the, I want to know what it feels like to get stoned standpoint, well then, right. start maybe at a one-to-one, because -one, if you do that, you know, you have to explain, it takes long if you're going to do tinctures to feel it. I would probably recommend a vape pen if they want to know what it feels like right away. Mm -hmm. And they last shorter. So I often will ask people to try a vape because more control. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. The last thing I ever prescribe is a capsule. And we don't have medicals here. We just have capsules. You know, because the, the absorption is very unpredictable and erratic. The length of time to having it work is very variable patient to patient and the duration of action. But in somebody who's been using marijuana for a long time, I, I say, sure, try it. But I've seen people even on 10 milligram capsules have side effects. Interesting. Um, what kind of side effects? Um, panic, mm. heart rate, mm. dry mouth, dry eyes, just a general feeling of uneasiness. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. It's not worth, like I say, if you work your way up to something, develop a little tolerance, then you go to a medical. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you, do you use cannabis for any of your own personal ailments? I use CBD. Yeah. I use a lot too because I have um, severe neck and back stuff. But I don't, it's funny. I don't, particularly, I don't drink alcohol. I, I'm a happy person with what I do. I don't seem to be a particularly anxious person since I started the CBD very much. And so my husband and I, I'd rather get an airplane and fly somewhere and go see another country than a lot of people like to sit around, get high, talk and whatever. That's okay, but I, my husband and I love to travel. So maybe it's sleep sometimes. Really, if, I'm, if I feel like, oh, I'm kind of wound up from a really heavy duty day, I might take, and this is funny, probably four drops of the one-to-one tinctures all it takes for me to go boop. <laughs> Speaking of the ratio, do you have um, any insights on why CBD would affect people differently? Why some people might get stimulated? Why some people might get sleepy? Does that have to do with the dose or the individual? Well, 
That's interesting. I think some of it has to do with what are the terpenes in the product naturally? Was it CBD derived from um, what we would consider a sativa strain, an indica strain? There's definitely differences in CBDs from, from uh, brand to brand. And some CBDs are more uplifting and some CBDs tend to be more sedating. And I tell people, you even have to go from, you know, brand to brand a little bit to know what works for you. Mm-hmm. Ironically, the brand I use, I would take a capsule, two, three hours later, I'd be ready to go to sleep. My husband would be asleep in 20 minutes. My sister, like wide awake, ready to go, takes it every morning, very focused. How do you explain that? Interesting. So it- That has to do with your native endocannabinoid system, how you process cannabinoids, which gets very complicated, as you know, it can have to do with um, what's your FAAH doing, what's your enzyme breakdown activity, um, what other things do you have in your body that might interact. So it's very idiosyncratic. Mm-hmm. But it's like anything. You know, you give somebody a piece of chocolate and they'll think it's the best thing and somebody else will like milk or dark or white. And then somebody else says, I don't like chocolate at all. What do you mean you don't like chocolate? Well, there are people who just don't like chocolate. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's why we're all unique creatures, right? Yeah, right, right. So going back to you really have to experiment on with even different products, different doses, different ratios. Yeah, unfortunately, it is a little bit of trial and error there, which is why I really feel that places should allow people to take smaller amounts to try. I mean, that's really, there's no question about that. But um, eventually, it's just like what deodorant works for you after you try all the different kinds. You'll go, I like native the best. And then that was a plug for native. No. And, then, um, and then you stick with that one. But even that one, after a year or two, you might go, I think I need to change it up now. And right. you'd never fault someone for wanting to change up their shampoo or what they eat for dinner. And same thing goes for marijuana. You might have to change it up after a while to get it to work. It's great insight. It's really great insight. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing with us so much of your personal journey, sharing with us so much great information about cannabis. And this was so helpful for so many people. Uh, well, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure working with you and I hope we do it again. I can't Absolutely. wait. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.